Welcome to the Prophecy Club. I just counted them up. Wednesday, I made a two-hour video giving you 33 reasons why you should come to the Sevenfold Miracle Crusade. Thirty years ago, God began giving me prophecies saying that one day He's going to use me to win thousands upon thousands of souls to His kingdom, including an audible voice, a vision, a dream, six prophetic words, 33 in all, and I believe that I have been directed to organize a meeting to release sevenfold miracles. We're asking those who believe in the warning given to Dimitri Dudeman that America is the mystery Babylon, willing to sow a key of David's seed, commit to a three-day consecutive fast, and believe in the end times to come to this crusade. During this crusade, we're asking people to walk the steps of Moses by observing Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, which is April 19 to 22. We believe that once we have fasted, sown the key of David, and opened the doors and followed the steps of Moses, God is going to release the sevenfold miracles like no person or angel in human history has ever seen. If you want to attend, register at sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. There are only 500 seats available. We expect to have several thousand wanting to come. That's sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. Register while there are still seats available. sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. If you've been listening to the Prophecy Club for a while, you've probably heard me quote some amazing prophecies, and you probably thought, man, I'd like to have a copy of those prophecies. I put together my selection of the most quoted speakers we've had at the Prophecy Club, and by getting this offer, you will have the most important information from 25 years, 160 guest speakers that have made 330 DVDs, in my opinion. It's called Stan's Quote Material. The first one is The Storm Judgment Revival. You've heard me say Shane Warren many times. Revelations for the Midnight Hour, Maurice Scalar. I Saw the Dollar Dead, Daniel Davis. The End of Times, Augusto Perez. Will You Survive America's Fall, Doug Metzger. Catastrophe Meteor Tsunami Earthquake, Ephraim Rodriguez. Meteor Destruction of America by me. And the most important one, Wake Up America by Dimitri Dudeman, and a book called Prophecies of the Fall of America. That's nine DVDs, one book, valued $280 for a gift of just $75. That's right, $280 worth of material, nine DVDs in a book for $75. And it's called Stan's Quote Material. You get it at prophecyclub.com. Stan's Quote material. I would even say Stan's favorite quote material. You want the best information? You get this offer. Stan's quote material. Nine DVDs and a book. $280 value for $75. Prophecyclub.com. Today we're going to be listening to Storm, Judgment, and Revival by Shane Warren. We don't hardly ever hear about any other religion in the world except Christianity, Islam, and Judaism. And it's almost like they're war. And here's what's amazing to me. Islam or Christianity and Judaism are completely tolerant of everybody else, but Islam is not tolerant at all. Yet Christians and Jews are the most hated people on the globe. Now why is that? I want to tell you why. Because the name of Jesus holds power. I said the name of Jesus holds power. And that's the reason that we're hated. But G Jesus prophesied that all of this was going to happen. So an end time uh, acceleration of signs and wonders. And I, there's more I could share there, but I just want to get to something that I feel like the Lord wants me to share with you. Number seven, 
Let me give you a little hope here. Because a lot of times we'll talk about all this stuff. But I always believe there needs to be a hope to the gospel. Amen? We talk about the coming of the Lord. It's the blessed hope. Amen? I don't care when you believe He's coming. I don't, believe, I don't care if you think there's a pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, no-trib. I don't care what it is. We all know Jesus is coming. We can, we can all stand on this thing that Jesus is coming to set up His kingdom. Well, I want to tell you, that's hope for me. But let me tell you what the Bible... I want to take you back to the beginning of my, my lesson. Remember I talked to you about Malachi chapter 3? Remember I talked to you about Malachi chapter 4? Here's what the Bible prophesies. In the last days, there'll be another sign. God says in the last days, I'll pour out my Spirit. Upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. On your handmaidens in those days. In other words, everybody's going to get it. Everybody's going to get it. God will pour out His Spirit on all flesh. So the seventh sign that we're living in the last days, 36,000 people a day being born again and filled with the Holy Spirit in China. 36,000 people a day. 28,000 people a day being born again, filled with the Holy Spirit in South America. All over the world, God is pouring out His Spirit on all flesh. And it is a sign that we're living in the last days. Malachi chapter 3. Behold, I will send my messenger before me, and he shall prepare the way of the Lord. And then the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to His temple. Most people think that to be John the Baptist. When John the Baptist came, they said to him, are you Elijah the prophet? Now that's interesting to me. Why would you ask John the Baptist if you're Elijah? John the Baptist never did one single recorded miracle. How do you think that he's Elijah the prophet? He never raised anybody from the dead. He never called down fire from heaven. Why do you think he's Elijah the prophet? Well, there's some Hebraic history that says that John's daddy, of course, was Zechariah, and Zechariah was a priest. And Zechariah went in and got the, the mantle of Elijah, the prophet, that was kept in the temple. And he gave it to his son. And this was his, the mantle that John the Baptist was sharing and wearing in the wilderness. You guys remember he was dressed in a coat of camel's hair. And he had a leather girdle on. And he ate locust and wild honey, right? And so here you have John the Baptist and he's supposedly wearing Elijah. And everybody think he has Elijah's mantle. So here's what I want to show you. Before the Lord comes the first time as a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, he sends somebody a generation before him to prepare the way who has the anointing of Elijah the prophet. Malachi chapter 4. Malachi chapter 4 says, Before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, the Lord's going to send forth Elijah the prophet, one of the two witnesses that are coming to the street. So watch this. Before the Lord comes the first time, as a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, God raises up a man with the anointing of Elijah the prophet on him to prepare the way of the Lord. Before the Lord comes the last time, He raises up a man, Elijah the prophet. The Elijah that was transported out is coming back. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, every time before the Lord visits the earth, He always raises up the anointing of Elijah upon the generation prior to the return of the Lord. Now why is that? Why is that? Because the anointing of Elijah is meant to do one thing, to confront the spirit of Baal. The spirit of Baal. Most people think, most Christians think that Allah is another name for God. Go and look in the Encyclopedia of World Religion. The Encyclopedia of World Religion says Allah was a, pre, his, a pre-Islamic Baal cult. 
It was a Baal god. Allah and, and uh, uh, you know, Islam is a Baal religion. Right now, Islam is raising, it's rearing its ugly head. Years ago, when I went to Israel, used to, on top of the Dome of the Rock, they had the crescent moon on top of the Dome of the Rock. I've actually got pictures of the crescent moon on top of the Dome of the Rock. A couple of years ago, we went back leading a tour, and when we stepped up on the Dome of the Rock, we looked up on top, uh, or stepped up on the Temple Mount, we looked up on the top of the Dome of the Rock, and I was going to point out the crescent moon, and it was no longer a crescent moon. Now when you go to Israel... It's completely filled in. So we asked them, why is the crescent moon completely filled in? Because crescent moon symbolized that Islam would dominate from the east to the fertile crescent and dominate the whole area. Why the crescent moon? Why is it filled in? Here's what they said, because we believe now is Islam's time to take the whole world. So right now, the spirit of Baal is trying to cover the whole world. It's even invading America. I know I'm preaching stuff I'm going to get in trouble for, but that's all right. I believe that God that fights for Israel fight for Pastor Shane. So it's even invading America. Why is it that we can take prayer, Bible reading, and the saying of the Pledge of Allegiance out of our public schools, but a Muslim child can roll his carpet out and point toward Mecca and pray five times a day in the middle of our classroom? Ladies and gentlemen, that spirit is invading America. So what is God going to do about that spirit? Listen to me. God will never allow the spirit of Baal to go without a challenge. So what God will do is God in the last days will raise up a generation with the anointing of Elijah the prophet on them that will counter that spirit, counter that spirit. I believe that we are that generation. I believe that the greatest days of signs, wonders, and miracles are upon us right now. Just a few few uh, nights ago, we were in a church that afternoon. The Lord spoke to me in my uh, prayer time. He said uh, there was a clicking. I kept getting a clicking in my ear and a roaring in my left ear. And the number 16 come to me. And I, I got up that night to preach and I said, Is there somebody here that has clicking and roaring in your left ear? And 16 is significant to you. This lady came down. She was the only one that answered uh, the call. She said, yeah. She said, my, I can't, uh, my left ear, all I hear is clicking and roaring. And this has been going on for 16 years. I said, lady, when I lay my hands on you, God's going to heal you tonight. I knew God was going to heal her before I ever touched her. It was a knowing by God. I reached up to put my hand on her ear. God instantly stopped the clicking, healed her ear, destroyed the roaring in her ear, and God set her free. That night, signs and wonders and miracles started breaking out all over the place. We've had a man in our church who was blind, no optical nerves attached to his eyes. During the middle of a service, nobody touched him. God, the Holy Spirit, came and swept through that place. And God healed that blind man. He laid down his cave. He took off his glasses. God healed him. We've had ladies with literally gaping, flesh-eating diseases under their arms. Her name is Lisa Sims. You could probably look her up on our Facebook. I think we shared those pictures with Sid Roth. And just gape 
just flesh-eating, skin-eating diseases. The most grotesque thing you've ever seen in your life. She came to a service. We laid hands on her, prayed with her. She didn't even know the Lord healed her. She went home, took off her shirt, and when she pulled her blouse off, she saw that all of the, the openings were closed up in her skin and God healed her. Why am I telling you that? Because I'm telling you that the same Jesus that walked the earth 2,000 years ago is still alive in the church today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The problem is, we've got a bunch of pastors who will let the spirit of Jezebel run the church. And isn't that what is mentioned in the book of Revelation? He said, I have something against you because you've allowed that Jezebel to operate in the church. So what we've got to have now is we need God to raise up some men and women of God, some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, with the anointing of Elijah the prophet that will throw Jezebel out the window and destroy the prophets of Baal and run the spirit of Baal out. Amen. And so I believe that you're the generation that God is going to pour His Spirit out. You say, well, hold it. Didn't Peter stand up in the book of Acts? And didn't he say, this was that which Joel prophesied, that in the last days I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh? Did he do that? Go ahead, shake your head. Yes. Alright, so here's my question. Was that the last days? Or is this the last days? And here's the truth. The answer to both of those questions is, yes. Yes. Now, can I help you with something? Watch. Peter said, there's this one thing I don't want you to be ignorant of. That a day with the Lord is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is as one day. That's the one thing I don't want... Now, he could have said, I don't want you to be ignorant of anything else. But he said, I got you. You've got to not be ignorant of one thing. A day with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. So watch this. If we go from Adam to the cross... 4,000 years. If you want to read something interesting, look at what God created on the fourth day. Right? So we go from Adam to the cross. 4,000 years. But when we get to the cross, we step into a different dimension called grace. The cross bought grace. Right? Watch. The Old Testament, everything in the Old Testament is types and shadows. Everybody say shadows. Watch this. If the sun is out here, if the sun is out here, and the cross is right here, and the sun is hitting the cross, then that means everything behind the cross is a shadow, right? So if the first 4,000 years, a day with the Lord is one day, a day with the Lord is like 1,000 years, 1,000 years is one day, 4,000 years, four days to the cross. But when you step beyond the cross, we come into the dispensation or to the age of grace, right? And so now we're in the light, right? And so the closer we get to the light, the brighter things become. The closer you get to the sun, the brighter things become. So watch, there's a reason in the book of Acts there were some things about prophecy they didn't understand that you can understand tonight. Because you're closer to the sun now on this side of the cross. You're you're closer and there's more illumination taking place. More wisdom and insight that is coming. So watch, four days, 4,000 years to the cross. But from the cross... So the year 2000 is two days. 2001 begins the morning of the third day. The third day is also the seventh day of God's grace or the seventh day of God's provident plan. Right? Four days to the cross. From the cross, stay with me, use your mind. From the cross, we go into the first day of grace. The second day of grace is 2000 years. 2001 begins the 
third day of grace. And if you want a real cool study, go look at what happens every time the number three, the third day, and the seventh day, or three and seven cross in your Bible. Go look at it. There's a bunch of times that it happens, by the way. Go look at it. And every time seven and three crosses in your Bible, guess what happens? Miracles take place. Miracles take place. So what I want to show you, watch, at the cross, from the cross to 1,000 years was one day. From the cross to 2,000 years was two days. But when we got in 2001, we began the morning of the third day. God said, in the last days, I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh. So in Acts chapter 2, whenever he stood up and said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh. He was right. That was the beginning of the last days. But now we're in the Akaron Hebrew for the last of the last days. And this was what was prophesied in the book of Psalms when he says this is written for the final generation. The final generation. And then he clarifies and he says this generation, you'll know them by one thing. They are a generation who are created to praise the Lord. To praise the Lord. In other words, this generation will be consumed with praise and worship. Consumed with praise and worship. Now, can I just for a moment tell you that God, this is God's desire is to pour His Spirit out on all flesh. Amen? But here's my problem. That was God's desire with Europe. Yet Europe didn't experience that. And if you'll give me just a minute, I want to pull some notes up here for you. Europe didn't experience... Europe experienced the greatest awakening... That great awakening was what gave birth to the fires of revival in America and the rest other parts of the world. Are you listening to me? And all of a sudden, revival stopped happening and everybody said, God's going to revisit Europe with another great awakening. God's going to give revival back to Europe. And it didn't happen. still hasn't happened. I want you to listen to me carefully. This is the most important thing I'm going to share with you all night. This is my final comments and I want you to, this is the most important thing of everything I've shared with you. I have heard preachers say, God is going to visit America again with the revival. Do I believe that's God's will? Yes. Do I believe it's God's will to pour His Spirit out on all flesh like He said He would? Yes. But how many know just because it's God's will doesn't mean it necessarily happens? It's His will that none should perish. But some are. Right? I believe it's God's will to pour His Spirit out on all flesh. But Europe did not get another revival. In fact, listen to this, less than half of 1% of Europe even claims to be Christian. The place, the birthplace of the greatest revival in the history of the world, less than half of 1% claims to be Christian. Less than half. In fact, almost every church has become a pub and a place of ill repute. You're hard-pressed to even find a church in Europe. Hard-pressed. Especially find one that's alive. So listen to me carefully. Do I believe that it's God's will for revival? How many of you believe that? But I want to tell you, I want to make a statement to you. I'm scared that that America might never see it. I'm scared that America might never see it. Remember Judges chapter 19? Remember I started Judges 19 with you guys? You remember me talking about Judges 19 and talking about the concubine? Right? Well, here's some things I didn't tell you. Let me tell you some details of the story real fast. That concubine, or or that that man, that priest, was married to this concubine. This is unusual that he would love a concubine enough to go get her anyway because concubines in biblical times was just nothing more than property. They were there to clean and 
keep the children, have children, and pretty much that's it. This priest risked his life to leave the mountains of Ephraim to go to Bethlehem to get his concubine. They're split up for some reason. They're split up. Maybe she committed adultery. I don't know what she did. But she did something and they're split up. The Bible says he goes to Bethlehem, her father's house. He gets her. Listen to me carefully. This is very important. And the Bible says they leave late in the evening. So they're traveling during a time of civil war, a time of danger at night. They find themselves in the Gibeah Square in the middle of the night. And the Bible says the old man comes out of the field. Remember me have you say that? The old man comes out of the field. He begs them to come into his house. They're in this house. The man with his concubine, the priest with his concubine, with this old man. And by the way, the priest has a male servant that's with him. And they're staying in the house. And the Bible says that wicked men of the city start banging on the windows and doors said, Give us that priest that came into your house that we may have our way with him. The man goes out and says, No, no, no. Please leave the priest alone. Leave the priest alone. The priest panics. He takes the concubine shoves her out the door. The Bible says they rape and abuse her all night long till the breaking of day. She crawls back up onto the threshold of the house and the Bible says she stretches out her hand on the threshold and she dies on the threshold. In the meantime, the Scripture says the priest awakes from his sleep and goes to the door, opens the door, and he sees his concubine laying there and he doesn't bend down and hug her. He says to her, get up. You can tell he's not a southern man because you said that to a southern woman. She got to whoop your tail, right? <laughs> Amen. He, he, she says, get up. She doesn't get up. She's dead. The Bible says he picks her up. Watch this now. Very important. Puts her on his donkey. Takes her back to Ephraim. Takes her into the house. Puts her on the kitchen table. Takes a butcher knife. Cuts her up into 12 pieces. And ships her body out 12 pieces to the 12 tribes of Israel. When I was preaching this and God gave this to me, God spoke to me and said, Tell the church that the dead dying hand of America is stretched out upon the threshold of the church and that America might not ever see revival. I said, God, you want me to go on television and tell America they're not going to see revival when every other preacher in the world is getting up on TBN and Daystar and telling them you're going to have revival, you're going to have revival, and you want me to tell them they're not going to have it? He said, yes, son, go prophesy. Tell them that the dead dying hand of America stretched out on the church, the threshold of the church, and America might not ever see revival. And he said, here's the reason why. And he gave me these six reasons. You might want to write them down real fast. Number one, He said, the reason they won't see revival like this priest, they're totally comfortable in the darkness. He said, this priest was traveling in the midst of the darkness. And he's a priest. He knows how dangerous the thieves and robbers are out in the darkness. Ladies and gentlemen, the church are not people of darkness. What fellowship has light with darkness? None. But he said, America might not see revival because the church is totally comfortable in the darkness. I still believe, listen to me, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. We've got to get back to living right, walking right, and as my old pastor said, spitting white. Amen? Amen. He said, number two, the church might never see revival because they're totally cowardly in the midst of danger. They're cowardly in the midst of danger. Watch. They came to the door, listen to this, and said, give us that priest. Now any good, red-boned American man, what would he have done? He would have stepped out the door. Yeah, if he had a gun, he'd have shot him. But if he didn't have a gun, he'd have stepped out the door and he said, I'll tell you what you can do. You can beat me up, but you're going to have to come through me to get to my wife. Right? But that's not what this priest did. 
This priest is a progenitor of righteousness. He is a protector of the innocent. But yet this priest has a yellow strap from the top of his neck to the back. And for those of you who know the cultures don't know what that means, what that means he's a coward. He's totally cowardly in the midst of danger. And God said, tell the church they might not see revival because they're cowards in the midst of danger. Now wicked men are coming to the doors of our churches, coming to the doors of our school systems, coming to the doors of everything that is a pillar of, that made America great, the foundation of the home, marriage. Are you listening to me? And what has the church done? While we were in the midst of the charismatic renewal and people were rolling around on the floor swinging from chandeliers and speaking in tongues and prophesying over one another, we let one mad woman, one insane schizophrenic woman take prayer and Bible study out of our schools. Why? Because we're scared to stand up, spit in the devil's face and tell the devil you're not going to have America. It's time for the church to stand up. Number three, he said the third reason that America might not see revival is because the church's current concern is displaced. Now let me tell you what I mean by that. His concern is displaced. The men, if you read Judges 19, the Bible says these wicked men came and they demanded for the man of the house. But you can read Judges 19 and you can understand that this priest had a male servant with him. Why didn't the priest send out his male servant instead of sending out his concubine? And the Lord spoke this to me. He said the reason he didn't send out his male servant, because had he done that, he'd had nobody there to fluff his pillow. He'd had nobody there to make his breakfast. He'd had nobody there to fix his cup of coffee. That servant was for his benefit. And the Lord said the church's concern is totally displaced. In other words, here's what he means by that. We can't have church unless the temperature's right. We can't have church unless the color of the carpet is our style or the worship's our style or the preaching's our style. Hey, forget Jesus. It's really about what we want. It's really about how we feel. It's really about how comfortable we are. And God said because of that, we can't have revival. Number four, He said the fourth reason they might not have revival is because we're comatose. The church is comatose in our duty. Listen, the Bible says while they raped this man's wife... I'm going to interrupt the broadcast right there. Thirty years ago, God began to give me prophecies saying that one day he was going to use me to win thousands upon thousands of souls to his kingdom, including an audible voice, a vision, a dream, and six prophetic words. I believe that I've been directed to organize a meeting to release sevenfold miracles. We're asking those who believe in the warning given to Dimitri that America is the mystery Babylon, willing to sow a key of David's seed, willing to commit to a three-day consecutive fast, and believe we are in the last days to come to this crusade. During this crusade, we're asking people to walk the steps of Moses by observing Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits, which is April 19 through 22. We believe that once we have fasted, sown the key of David, opened the doors, and followed the steps of Moses, God is going to release the sevenfold miracles like no person or angel in history has ever seen. If you want to attend, register at sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. There are only 500 seats available. We expect to have several thousand wanting to come. That's sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. Register while there are still seats available. sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. I just posted a 16-page newsletter, our largest and most important newsletter in 25 years. It gives you in writing all the prophecies, dreams, visions, and audible voices I've received over the last 30 years telling me to organize this sevenfold miracle crusade. 
it'll put you in tears. Frankly, it'll put you in tears. You can download it for free at prophecyclub.com. Prophecyclub.com. In 2017, I memorized the book of Revelation just as a simple project. Surprisingly, I began to receive information on 30 revelations and two visions beyond what is found in the Bible. God showed me a secret door, which is based upon a single word found in Revelation and Leviticus, linking the feasts to the prophecies. When linked, a person enters into an understanding of Bible prophecy not previously known. Even though I've been in the world of Bible prophecy for 40 years, frankly, I did not know anything of what is in this book. One prophetic word described it this way. There is a lock that I have put over a word in the book of Revelation that I'm going to open to you. It will turn so many books written on the end time message into obsolete books. That's this book. Topics are Jesus returns on what feast? The secret of the feasts. Who are the two witnesses? What is the morning star? The judgment seat explained. The great white throne explained. The nations explained. What is the shout? And the parables explained. Seals, trumpets, and vials go in what water? Two amazing prophecy charts on the back flap, 12 inches by 9 inches. Imagine a book on prophecy that brings a fresh, new, accurate perspective. I don't want you to get one book for $20. I want you to get five books for $30 or 10 for $55. It's called The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. Available at prophecyclub.com. The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. One for 20. No, no, no. Don't do that. You want to get five for 30 or the best deal, 10 for 55. Prophecyclub.com.